You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. Welcome to this podcast with Oliver Baker, CEO of Ambient Heating, who spoke to Future Net Zero about his company's innovative clean heating technology and why heat pumps aren't the only way to decarbonize the sector. Hello and welcome to this Future Net Zero podcast. This is Johnny Bairstow and today I'm joined by Oliver Baker, the CEO of Ambient. Hi Oliver, how are you? Hi Johnny, I'm fine, thanks very much. I'm pleased to be on the show. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it and thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Could you please introduce yourself, just who you are and a little bit about the company for some of our audience that might not be familiar? Yeah, sure. So my name's Oliver Baker. I'm the CEO of Ambient Heating. And we have a unique and proprietary technology called computer-controlled infrared. And we are a disrupting technology, essentially, and are a a new electric heating system for uh, use throughout the domestic and the commercial sector in the the UK and elsewhere. And uh, therefore, one of the new technologies challenging to take on the market as gas boilers are phased out. So we're hot on the heels of air source heat pumps, put it that way. We have 3,000 installs, so we're not, uh, we're a proven technology. Uh, really, my job is to get our technology out into the marketplace. Thank you for the introduction. And I think we should start by delving a little bit into uh, what the technology is. Um, and then we can talk more about what, what it's going to do. But computer-controlled infrared heating sounds very futuristic. What, what exactly is it? Uh, well, it may sound futuristic, but it's, it's right here, right now. As I say, we've got 3,000 installs. It's a combination of infrared, which people may not be familiar with, but is a totally natural and proven uh, energy source. It's a combination of infrared with uh, proprietary computer control involving software and algorithms that we've developed to enhance the efficiency, if you like, or the performance, energy performance of infrared in, in real situations. So in really simple terms, what, what, what does that do? Are these panels on the wall that fire out infrared? Yeah, so these are, they look like uh, most infrared panels. Ours is actually a, a relatively upmarket glass panel. It's about the size of, a, of an old-fashioned radiator, but is totally electric. And it emits infrared energy, which is totally natural, is what sunlight is. It does exactly what sunlight does. And that energy travels through the air without actually heating the air, arrives on objects, creates, uh, causes the molecules to vibrate within the building materials and indeed the people and furniture within the room. And that creates heat. And that is exactly the process of how sunlight works, but without the ultraviolet, I hasten to add, there's no negative uh, health aspects to this at all. So infrared is a well-established, it's niche, but a well-established and proven means of heating objects is used by the NHS and in all sorts of other applications. So it's totally safe and natural. And indeed, you can buy infrared panels, straightforward infrared panels in the market right now. But no one's doing what we're doing with with infrared, which is to apply software and algorithms to actually enhance the performance of infrared. Well, yeah, it sounds very nice. I think I'm sold already at the idea of uh, my sofa actually being the thing that's heating up rather than the radiator across the room. Yes, well, it's not your sofa so much we're after, but we are, we are after the building materials in the, in the room. So if I can describe it like this, on a sunny day when you're outside, you will be warmed through direct 
uh, being in direct line of sight with the sun on, on a sunny day. And that creates a very natural and comfortable feeling of warmth. In the evening, certainly if we're in a, if we're in a hot country, you will also be warm. And that is because the building materials around you have been charged up with infrared energy during the day. And that energy is stored in the building materials and is then released slowly over time, over a number of hours in the form of radiant heat. So there are two aspects to infrared, that first direct phase, and then the second more indirect phase. And what's unique about our system is that we do go through the first phase, but we're looking to saturate the walls within the building with energy. So they then become a source of radiant heat, a bit like a storage heater. And what our algorithm is doing is working out what's the minimum input of electricity on a pulsed and phased basis in order to maintain a constant perpetual secondary effect. So you are constantly being warmed, not actually by the direct infrared from the panel, but actually from the radiant warmth of the building in which you sit. So you have the technology which is heating the building in a more efficient way, and you also have the fact that the computer side of it controls the actual heater to be efficient as well. Well, what the computer is doing is working out what phasing and pulsing routine, which could be one second on, four seconds off, for example, but any number of different pulsing routines, what is the minimum routine that is required to maintain a constant room temperature in that second phase? And that is completely unique to us. Any other infrared would be working with a thermostat and would simply switch on when the room, when the air temperature reduced, and then switch on again when a certain air temperature was achieved. But we are phasing and pulsing many, many times a second on a constant 24-hour basis. And our system is so efficient that actually it works most efficiently when it's left constantly on, which means you actually get a 24-hour heating in, in, in your home. Without, without it needing to be adjusted, I suppose. Well, without it needing to be adjusted because we have a control panel in every system and you load up all your instructions requirements about different temperatures at different parts of the day, for example. But once you've loaded up your control panel, you, you leave it to work. But what we are saying is you can actually have comfortable temperatures in your home 24 hours a day at no extra expense. And we can achieve that on the same kind of energy performance as an air source heat pump. So how much less electricity do these technologies use compared to other solutions? Because ultimately, we're all looking to decarbonize and reach net zero and, of course, save money as well. So how much less electricity does an infrared solution require? And why would you install one over the more traditional heat pumps or radiators that we see in buildings? OK, Johnny, well, that's a, that, that is the key question in some ways. So computer-controlled infrared will save about 60% of the energy used in a conventional convective electric heating system. You use the word infrared there, and I would always re-emphasize the computer-controlled infrared, because an infrared system is actually really um, efficient and will save about 40% of the electricity in relation or in comparison with a straightforward old-fashioned electric convection heater. So infrared is a really good place to start. But we crank that up to 60% saving because of the, the algorithms and the software that I've been talking about. What that means is that puts us on to a very similar level of energy performance as an air source heat pump. So it is really quite a profound change for an electric system. What we can further do is actually reduce the unit cost of electricity as well. And that is the biggest single challenge with any electric system 
is that a unit cost of, or the cost of a unit of electricity is about four times that of gas. And that's why gas is so compelling. It's not that it is any energy efficient. It's using far more kilowatt hours of energy than an electric system. But the unit cost of gas is so cheap. Well, we've helped address that. Because our system works on a 24-hour system, we, uh, we have no morning or evening spike in energy use. We have a very flat demand profile. And if you move on to a flexi-tariff, we can achieve a around about 25% saving in the unit cost of your energy. And if you put those two things together, together with a 60% saving in units used, that means we can get the running cost, the utility bill, down to something very comparable with gas and about 25% ahead of an air source heat pump. So it's a very interesting, very competitive uh, technology. This combination of infrared and the algorithms I've been talking about to actually minimize the energy used to create a constant source of heat in the home. We all know decarbonizing heat is a massive challenge for the built environment in general. Why do you think, obviously you've, you've installed more than 3,000 already, so it's great progress, but why, why do you think at the moment we haven't seen more deployment? Why are they not, is it taking over from, from heat pumps? That is my mission. Uh, not, not to take over from heat pumps in the sense that I, this is a market in which there's going to be room for a number of technologies. And I have a great respect for SLC heat pumps, and they are com- definitely a player and a player here to stay. But they're not a panacea. There's no, there's no magic bullet to any of the, this, is there? There's no magic bullet. At the moment, gas heating systems have an 85% market share. Personally, and I think the market generally feels, we're not going to swap that for an 85% solution. This is going to be a more fragmented marketplace than we have been used to. And there will be room for a number of technologies, including hydrogen, including district heating, including air source heat pumps, which are the, the big three currently talked about in the hall, in the corridors of Whitehall. But the market, if you talk to the market, no one believes that those three areas of technology in themselves are a total solution. Um, air source heat pumps are great, but they have strengths and weaknesses like any system, and they are not a sort of panacea for, for all situations. So there is room for more technologies, definitely. What barriers are there in the way, do you think, of adoption of your technology? And what, what opportunities will it unlock when it becomes more widespread on the market? Any electric solution at the moment is starting with really quite a hard task in front of it because of the difference in unit cost of gas, which is say four pence per kilowatt hour to electricity, which is 16 pence or more per kilowatt hour. That's a four times difference. So if you're talking about consumer behaviors and people thinking about the amount they're going to pay for this on their monthly utility bill, it is a big task to move people away from gas. And I think the government can help bridge that gap over time because some of that gap is very much created by government policy. So one thing they can do is is rebalance the cost of the environmental and social obligation levies, which is currently very much skewed towards electricity and not on gas. So some 23% of the cost of electricity is made up by those levies, whereas only 2% of gas are. So a rebalancing there would help 
level the playing fields and encourage consumers to look at electric solutions uh, rather than gas. Both ourselves and ESOS heat pumps make big strides towards that by simply much higher levels of performance, energy performance, than the old gas boiler. And I've said already both of us would save about 60% of the kilowatt hours. But rebalancing the price for electricity would be another big step forward. But in addition to that, there's the capital cost of switching from your gas boiler towards a new system. And therefore, I think the government's clearly realised that, and there is support for consumers through the renewable heat incentive in particular to encourage people to switch away from gas. My criticism would be that that grant is skewed very much towards air source heat pumps and does not really encourage new technologies to come in alongside air source heat pumps and is actually making the job of a company like ourselves all the more difficult to break into the consumer market. So it needs a wider scope. I think the government needs to rebalance the cost of electricity, which would be a general encouragement to electric solutions, which is definitely the future here. The market is broadly convinced, I think, that whilst there, you know, there is a place for hydrogen, there is a place for district heating, the biggest single solution is going to be electric heating systems taken as a category. But within that, we need to have a broad range of electric technologies, not just heat pumps. And, and that's where the government can help by broadening the availability of technologies that apply for the grants. I think the government should look to the market to determine which technologies it wants to run with. And it'd be quite easy to impose some minimum energy efficiencies for the systems. We'd be fine with that because we'd score very highly there. But then broadly to say, once you achieve those kind of efficiencies, the technologies ought to be allowed to, to, to be chosen by the market. And, you know, the good news for us is it's not all about the RHI. RHI doesn't really apply in the more business-to-business market. So housing associations, councils, and land um, landlords do not qualify for RHI in many cases. So there it's more of a level playing field. And it's in those areas, really, that we've made most progress. But until there is a balancing of grants to the private individuals, it's very difficult for a technology other than air source heat pumps currently to make an impact. If you go and knock on someone's front door and say, hey, how about changing your gas system? Yeah, sure. There needs to be a level playing field. So the, like you said, the, the range of technologies that are going to be needed to play a part needs to be a level level playing field so uh, each of them can get involved in the areas that they can make a real difference in. Something else I think that's a major issue with any technologies while we're looking to decarbonize is 2050. It's, it's, it's going to come around quick quite soon uh, because we've got a lot of work to do before 2050. But it's still 30 years away. So technologies that we install today, ideally, they might not last 30 years, but we want technologies to be future proof. We don't want to have to have these same debates and be talking about a new wave of technologies again in the future. How future proof are these uh, heating solutions, the infrared heating solutions and computer controlled heating solutions that we're talking about? Because it's really about software, it's much easier to future proof a computer controls infrared system than it is, say, an air source heat pump. And of course, the air source heat pump technology is already quite old. I mean, you can call it new in the sense that it still feels quite a different technology from the the gas and old convection systems. 
that we're used to, but it's really quite old in, in, in two ways. It has been around a long time, and it is still a convection heating system. It still involves slushing large amounts of hot water through your home into your radiators, and then, and then having that radiator warm the air and that warm air to convect around the room to create a feeling of warmth. So its delivery mechanism is still really quite old-fashioned, whereas, I mean, we are convinced that infrared is the right delivery mechanism. Uh, it's intrinsically more efficient than the sort of hot water convection system. It's a very dry and comfortable form of heat. So if it's the right delivery mechanism, I think the innovations will come through the software that we use to maximize the efficiency of that delivery mechanism. Well, that, that, will be, that will be certainly easier to upgrade than, um, you know, people talking about gas boilers, switching them over to hydrogen. Uh, I think a software update will be uh, slightly more user-friendly and uh, a, bit, a bit easier to do. Well, absolutely. And I would say also the advantage or potential advantage of any electric system is you know how much energy you're using at source. Whereas any boiler-based system, you know the energy you're using at the boiler, potentially, but you do not know how that's operating throughout the system. An electric system uh, would give you that. Now, our system is already, I think, very kind of off the moment in the way that we do that because we collect that data from every single panel in every single system, and that is streamed to us, to our servers in Wakefield. So we have quantities of real operating data right down to the individual panel uh, in hourly intervals right throughout the year. Now, it, the data itself is part of the future because government policies, government grants, government funding and consumer behaviour, particularly amongst, if you like, the professional landlords and social landlords, is going to be driven by real outcomes, not assumed outcomes. At the moment, as you know, the heating system's riddled with DEEM scores. You know, such and such a, a system is assumed to have these kind of efficiencies, and that's what's put into all the numbers. Well, we can do better than that. We have real data, and, and that is the future. So I think if you, if you want a future-proof system, it's got to be data-rich, and it's got to be software-driven, and that's what we are. So I'm not saying we have to see the finished article. I'm sure there's more to go for, but we think the combination of infrared and software with all the data capabilities it have is the right platform for the future heating system that we need in, in this country and, and indeed globally. So I think an interesting place to wrap up will be to, there's people listening to this podcast. They might be thinking, yeah, I need to clean up my home or my business or, you know, buildings in general. They need to decarbonize that heating. How should they go about approaching the different technologies on offer and picking the right one for them? And how do they research the market to come to a conclusion? You're right. It's all about information and making informed choices. If you are a, a regular consumer, you're not going to be able to elect for district heating, for example. It'll be done to you. And I dare say hydrogen or putting a green gas through the existing gas infrastructure is going to be something that's outside your, your control. But you can make choices. So I would encourage people uh, to do the research, to think about things for the longer term, to look for real data that can tell you whether the system in the real world achieves the level of performance that is, is being held out. That's something obviously we can offer. And clearly we'd be delighted to talk to anyone who's, who's, who's thinking about changing their system. What I would like to say, and I haven't said thus far, is, is that one of the advantages of computer-controlled infrared 
and, it, and most electric systems is they are cheap to install. Uh, we do not need water-based radiators. We do not need pipe work, got no moving parts. It's a, quite a simple, in a way, electric heater with uh, sensors and a, and a microprocessor on board, but it's a much simpler system to create, deliver, and install you know, than a very complex SLC pump, for example. It's got many more bits to it and many more moving parts. So it's about 40% cheaper to install in most situations. Well, perfect. Thank you very much, Oliver, for talking with me. Uh, I'm not going to look at the uh, bog standard electric heaters on my wall in the same way anymore. <laughs> and I look forward to uh, finding out more in the future. I hope to talk with you again. Very good. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Johnny. I appreciate it. No, you're welcome. And uh, to all of our audience listening in, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this podcast. And of course, you can find out more and you can get in touch with Ambien using the link that is on the story post for this podcast on futurenetzero.com. So thank you very much and speak soon. You've been listening to a Future Net Zero podcast along with our partner, Amp Clean Energy. This has been a promoted podcast. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.